Good morning, precious sheep of God. You know, we, we, we sing those songs, and um, I, uh, man, I don't want to preach this sermon. Uh, you know, you just want to preach about Jesus when you, when you sing those songs. You just want to start talking about him. So what I'm going to do in relation to that is I'm just going to preach last week's sermon again. So it was on the excellency of Jesus. So we can, we can do that again because that's, uh, you know, we could never get too old for that. So, um, so uh, after this assurance class, I, you know, I think, Dick, man, you were doing a great job. You should just take five weeks and preach it from the pulpit. I think that would be great. So, but I would, uh, the last two weeks have been really good in this Sunday school class, I, I would highly recommend it myself that you would come early and and be part of this class. Uh, it's it's been fantastic so far and and real encouraging. So so please open your Bibles with me to First Timothy chapter five. One of the things about preaching through a book is that your next text comes to you. You don't have to worry about thinking of a topic or thinking of a, a sermon that you're going to preach. When you preach expositionally through the Bible, your next sermon comes. And in this area, it's on widows, which we don't have any in here, and so, but it does not negate the fact of um, how we are to be with widows who are truly widows. And so that's what we're going to go through today. It might not be so much as preaching as it will be more instructional as to how the church is to view widows and next week also in how the church is to view elders. And so I just want to put that out there as we look through this Text. Today we will be dealing with the text uh, from verse 3 through 16. So it's a big text, and so I'll pray and I will speak quick. So, Father, again, I just thank you that we can look into your word, Father, and see your love in this word, Lord. That we can see your love in your word, not only for us, but for how we are to care for each other. So now, Father, I just come and I ask that you would accompany the preaching of your word. Father, that you would open our eyes to see things that we may not have seen, that you would open our eyes eyes to see the wonders of the glory of you, that you would open our eyes, Father, to see Christ in all of this and so honor him. Father, I thank you for such a great salvation that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, I pray that we would revel in it. I thank you for Christ and all that he has done for me and for your church body, Lord. And I just ask that you would continue to bless us and grow us and encourage us. Father, likewise, I would would dig, just pray for those, Father, that are having a tough time just in life, Lord, that they would find their joy in you Lord that they would find their joy in being part of a church body Father I pray that you would 
encourage them. I pray for, Father, those who need healing, that you would touch and heal them, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, that we miss dearly, that have not been here, Lord, that you would bring them back and that we would see them and be able to give them hugs and and love on them. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do these things in your name. Amen. Okay, and I'm thankful for everybody that is here today. So as a church body, you and I have mainly one obligation. And that one obligation, Christ says that, how do you know that you are my disciples? And the answer is by how we love one another, right? That is, that is how we know we are his disciples, is how we love one another. And so in this text that we look at, Paul is going to give us instructions on how we are to care for widows who are truly widows. That is the key thing, who are truly widows. Because in the church of Ephesus at this time, they were having a tough time in distinguishing in who widows truly were and who they were to enroll and who they weren't to enroll. And so Paul comes with clarity. Because remember, he, they, they were under elders that were not to be, they were not good elders. And so now Paul's going to come and he's going to give Timothy instruction on how these uh, elders and how the church is to care for widows. So look at verse 3 with me. And it says, we'll just read just a little bit. It says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we'll stop there and it continues through verse 16 and we will deal with all of that. So the first thing that we need to look at is how God views widows, how God views widows. And that should be how we view widows and everything. And so li- listen to uh, uh, Psalm 68, 5, and it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. So the first thing we see is that God is the protector of widows. He is a protector of widows. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, 19. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, and all the people shall say amen. So we see that God will curse anyone who perverts justice to the widow, who puts them under, uh, uh, treads them under feet. And then Psalms 146, 9 says, the Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So we see that God has a special care for widows. Now, what about Jesus? We see Jesus in the Gospel of Mark as he deals with, with, with a widow. Uh, Mark twelve forty one through 44, he says this, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put everything she had, 
all she had to live on. So we see a little section of where Jesus shows where a widow is not very cared for. She put all that she had in there. And even on the cross, he takes care of his own mother, right, who is going to be widowed. On the own cross, he tells the apostle John that he is to take care of his mother. He says, behold, woman, your son, talking to John, and John, your mother. And so John is the one who is to take care of her. Later on in the Gospels, we see where Jesus raises a son out of the grave, well, not out of the grave, but at the funeral procession, for his mom, who is a widow. In that time, widows did not have what we have nowadays. Women were not CEOs. They did not own their own businesses. And so the, the male was the one who provided so much of the resources. So we see that God has a special part in his heart for women and for widows. And Jesus likewise did too. The apostles, they appointed deacons to care for widows in Acts chapter 6. Therefore, the church today still has a responsibility to care for widows who are really widows. So now, who are widows? That's the question we have to ask. Who are widows? Well, the Greek word for widows is this. It's one who is lacking a husband or having suffered loss or left alone. This is who the Greek, what the Greek word is. So they are left alone. That's the key, right? And this is who a widow is. And in 1 Timothy 5.3, this is what the apostle writes to Timothy. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. There's an honoring of them. There is a, a value of them. There is a prizing of them. There's a esteeming of these widows who are truly widows. That's what he tells us. So then who are truly widows? Again, in verse 3, or in verse 5, he says this, in 1 Timothy 5.5, 5, she who is truly a widow left all alone. So this is a woman who is completely and fully left alone. Has no husband, has no children, has no grandchildren. She is truly, fully alone. That is a widow. This is who was to be enrolled. This is who the church was to take care of, is one who was truly a widow, truly left alone, permanently left alone without any resources, especially financial resource. This was truly a widow. Secondly, one who was truly a widow meets the age requirements. There was an age requirement that they had to meet. Look at verse 9, 1 Timothy 5, 9. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. So she had to be 60 years old or older, right? So in that time, 60 years old was considered retirement. I like that. I think we should go back to that because then I'm only 10 years away. So, you know, that would be great. So, but they had to be 60 years old, right? She was to be a one-woman man right? The woman of one husband. It's the same as when we looked at the elder, right? And the elder is to be the husband, right, of one wife. He is to be a one-woman man. This widow was to be a one-man woman. This does not mean that she um, couldn't have been remarried because she could have been remarried, but what it does mean is that she was to display faithfulness to her husband, and had to be over the age of 60. 
this was how they were supposed to be. So the care for the widow is not to be passed on to the church totally, but there's a responsibility within the family too that is to take place. Keep that in your mind. So she's not only to be a widow who is truly alone, she was to be a one-man woman, and she also was to be a godly woman. She was to be a godly woman. This is who gets enrolled, and this is what Paul was saying. Listen to 1 Timothy 5.5. 5. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. Verse 10, and having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So she is to be a godly woman. She is to be one who has served the church well. She is to be one who has raised up godly children. This is what Paul is saying. This was where the problem was, is they were putting anybody on the list to be taken care of. But he starts to make these requirements. There had to be an observation done. She had to be a godly woman. Her hope is fixed on God. We're going bu- to bounce around here, just letting you know. So if you want to go to Jeremiah 49, 11, that's where I'm going to be. That's for Angela. So her hope, this hope is a continuous act. She is a woman who has fixed her hope on God and his care for her. But it's continuous. She's continually fixed on this hope. She's continually in prayer. She's continually looking for God's care for her. Just like we should be, brothers and sisters. We should continually be looking for this. We should be continually having our hope fixed on God and his care for us. Sometimes our problem is, is that we have an idea of how we want to be cared for. We have a standard of how we want to be cared for. But yet God will care for us the way he will care for us. And that might not be according to our standards. But the widow, she was looking, her hope was continually upon God to care for her with all of her resources, financially, food, clothing, all these things. Her hope was fixed on that. Jeremiah 49.11 says this, Leave your fatherless children, I will keep them alive, this is God talking, and let your widows trust in me. So the widow's hope was to trust in God fully. She is to continue in prayer night and day. This was what the widow did. She continued in prayer night and day. Now this night and day would mean constantly. And we see it throughout Scripture. We see this. We we see where Paul uses it to describe his prayer life, right? This is what Paul says in Acts 20, 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. 1 Thessalonians 3, 10. As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Again, Paul in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about this night and day with his work ethic, that he would not be a burden to the church, right? In 1 Thessalonians 2, 9, he says this, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, this constantly, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. What a beautiful picture that Paul paints there. 
This is just kind of a, a side note here, but we see this beautiful picture where Paul saw that, hey, I'm not going to be a burden on the church financially. So what am I going to do? Guess what he does? He goes and makes tents. He wasn't a burden. He worked night and day so that he wouldn't be a burden to the church. Same thing. The widow's fixed. Her prayer life is consistent night and day. Again, in 2 Thessalonians 3.8, Nor did we eat anybody's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Anna, the prophetess in Luke, again, night and day. Luke 2, 36 and, 7, 36 and 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, here we have the widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. This was the example. Anna was a widow. She did not leave the temple. And what did she do? She was what? A godly woman, fasting and praying day and night. Consistently. Her hope was fixed on God to care for her. Brothers and sisters, where's your hope fixed? Is your hope fixed in your job? Is your hope fixed in your 401k? in your retirement plan, in your business, or is your hope fixed on God to whom you are constantly praying to night and day? Where is your hope fixed? She has raised children. She has a servant's heart. This was the widow that was to be enrolled, one who had the servant's heart. 1 Timothy 5.10, having a reputation for good works, if she brought up children, being a servant, has shown hospitality, being a servant, washed the feet of the saints, being a servant, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. This was a woman who was truly and completely devoted to the Lord. She, gave, she was not the one who gave herself to wanton pleasures. This is, what, this is a person um, who did not uh, look at life of pleasure with no consideration of rights or wrongs. This is what, what, what Paul says of, of these things. She is, she is dead while she lives. That's what we read. This wi the widow that gives herself to pleasures. She's dead while she lives. There's no regeneration there. So we're not to enroll them. We are not to enroll them. They are dead where they are, Ephesians 2.1. And you are dead in your trespasses and sins. This is what Paul says of the one um, in, uh, where she is. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, where is it? I can't remember where it is, but it's in there. So, but this is the one who gives himself to wanton pleasures. Those widows, we don't enroll. So, that's the widow. The widow that has been enrolled meets the age requirements, and she is a godly woman. She served the body. Her hope is completely fixed on God, and she is completely alone. So, what comes next is the widow who has family. The widow has family. Because the widow who has family is not left alone. She has family. I got to go back here because I got to get to the family section here. So there was provisions that were to be made by the family. Paul addresses this right away. He addresses this right away. That the family is to provide for her. So the responsibility of families. Look at verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. 
And then again in verse 16 of 1 Timothy, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So if a widow had family, they did not go, they were not enrolled because they were truly not left alone. They were truly not left alone. So the family was to take care of them. The children were to pay some return to the widow, right? We are to honor our parents. This was simple. The family was to honor the parents. Exodus twenty twelve, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. This is honoring our parents. When, if my mom was alone, because my dad had passed away, honoring my mom would be me taking care of my mom. And if I was gone, well, then the grandchildren would take care of my mom. This is just how it worked. This is what Paul is saying. Let the families take care of them. Why? Well, because my mom brought me into this world. That might be a good reason why, you know. Um, They clothed us. They fed us. They housed us. They supported us. They loved us. This is what they did. Think of Joseph. When we go back into the Old Testament, think of Joseph and what he did for his family. Listen to Genesis 45, 9. He says, hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you for there yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. So that's what Joseph did. He took care of his family. That was part of God's plan, right? I mean, his brothers wanted to kill him, right? So they sell him in, and Joseph's life was just crazy. But now all of a sudden, here he is. He's like second in charge of Egypt. And he brings the family to Egypt. Why? So he can take care of them because the famine's going to happen. Here's the sad thing in our day and age now, right? The sad thing in our day and age now is when our parents get older or there's widows in our families or there's someone completely left alone, we just put them in a home. We put them in an assisted living or a full assisted living. That's what we do because you want to know what? We don't want the burden. I don't want the burden of taking care of my parents. But see, that's the problem. That's not pleasing in the sight of God. And as believers in Christ and as those who have been saved by Christ and those who are to be obedient to Christ... We are to take care of our families. We are not to put them in a home. Sure, I understand there comes times where maybe that's the only option we have. I have many customers who have put their their dads in the homes because they got dementia or they got Alzheimer's and they just can't do it. I, I understand those things. But brothers and sisters, if we can take care of our families, we need to take care of our families because it is pleasing in the sight of God. The provision is by the family. Listen to verse 5-8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This provide means to uh, pre-planning on how to care for them. I should be pre-planning on how to, how to care for my parents. And you can trust me. If you sit down with Jenny and I, we've, we've talked about how we're going to sell my mom and dad's house while they're still in it. <laughs> so... We can provide for them. 
So, but, but we have, we've, we've talked about those things. What, what happens when, when my parents have to come and live with us? What, what happens if her mom and stepdad, you know, we, we, we've talked about these things. That's pre-planning. Uh, for his own, this m- could mean the, uh, for any family member. For any family member. For those of his own household, means his immediate family. So now, Paul gives us, he says, a failure to provide for either of these, extended family or the immediate family, has two, two consequences, right? It has two convictions. One, he has denied the faith. He has denied the faith. It doesn't mean that he's unsaved. It doesn't mean he's not a believer, but it does mean this. He has denied the love that Christ has had for him. He denied that Christ is not compassionate God. This is what he has denied. He has no regard for the compassionate love that Christ calls us to. He has denied the faith. John thirteen thirty five. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When you don't take care of your family... You deny that. You deny that Christ had any compassionate love for you. You deny the faith. Romans 5.5 5 says this, and, I, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God how to love one another. When a man does not provide for his own, and especially for his widowed mother, he denies the faith. He denies that love that Christ has for him. So he not only denies the faith, but Paul goes on to say, you're worse than an unbeliever. The word is translated infidel. You are worse than an infidel. That's what he says. And you want to know why? Because unbelievers don't even do this. There are plenty of people out there that are unbelievers who do not know Christ, who are not saved, and yet what do they do? They take care of their families. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And that's what Paul is saying. If you're a believer and you don't take care, and you don't provide for your mother who's a widow, or you don't provide for your sister who has lost everything because her husband has abandoned her, you're worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong, strong words. You've denied the faith, and you're worse than an unbeliever. So there is a responsibility. So now what about young widows? What about younger widows, when younger widows, when they have a husband that passes away? What about younger widows? Paul has a charge to the younger widows. Listen to 1 Timothy 5, 11, 12, and 13. He says, but refuse. This is a strong word. I'm going to go over for about 10 minutes, guys. I might be over just a little bit. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. And so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossip and busybodies, saying what they should not. So the first thing with younger widows is Paul says, refuse to put them on there because of their passions. Now what happens is when a younger widow would die, this is what they were dealing with, they would make this vow to God. 
and they would make this vow to God to be solely committed and solely serving God. And so they would put her on the enrollment list to take care of her. But what would happen is she would have these desires, these passions, these sexual passions to want to be with a man again. And so what would happen is she would start to go away from those vows and pursue her passions. This is what Paul's talking about, to pursue her passions. So refuse to enroll them because of these things. They, were, they, they went back on the covenant and they desired to, to be married. So they went back on that. So refuse to put them on there. So then in this process, younger widows, what they were learning to do, what they were learning to do were to be idlers, right? Because the church is providing for them fully and completely. So they became idle. They became lazy. They became useless. They became inactive. They became gossips, you know. They make empty charges, is what they were doing. They were, they were uh, uh, tattlers. They were tattletales. Gossips. Hey, come here. Come here. Did you hear about Jenny? Did you hear what happened to her? You know, they were, they, they, they were gossips, right? This is what they were. They were busybodies. I love that word, busybodies. They were busybodies. They were people prying into things that were none of their business. And I know one person that stands in this pulpit that loves to do that. I always love to pry into other things that's none of my business. <laughs> that's why I'm a barber. Because <laughs> it's easy to do that. <coughs> but we've all done that, right? We all can be busybodies. We all can be busybodies because we want to know the things. And this is what the widows were doing. This is what they were doing. So what did Paul want them to do? What did he want Timothy to charge to these younger widows? Listen to 14 and 15. So I would have younger widows marry. <coughs> he said, have them marry. Get remarried. Don't stay alone. But get married. And do what, Paul? What do you want them to do when they get married? Have kids. Be managers of their household. And give the adversary no occasion for slander. Yeah, see, this is what the devil was doing, right? The devil was the one behind the idlers and the gossips and the busybodies, right? So Paul says, get married, have kids, take care of your house, love your husband. He goes right back to what you should be doing, right? Titus, you know, Titus 2, 3 through 5 says this, older women likewise are to be reverent behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children and to be self-controlled, pure. <coughs> Working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, <coughs> that the word of God may not be reviled. Excuse me. <coughs> that was a the thing. They didn't want the word of God to be reviled. And so that was the charge to these widows. That's what Paul wanted Timothy to command. So how does it look in our day? Because we're not in the first century, are we? How does that look in our days? Well, it's the same thing. If we have a widow in here who has suffered loss or her husband has abandoned her and she's all alone and she has nothing financial, she is left completely alone with no family, yes, the church is to take care of her. That is the same charge. We are to take care of them. 
so. But then there's other things, right? There's financially differently things now. So a lot of times when, a, when, a, when, a, when we are dealing with a widow, there's some financial support that she has. She has Social Security nowadays. They didn't have Social Security in the first century. Maybe she has her husband's retirement. Or maybe the husband left a, a um, life insurance policy. So when I was going through this, I was thinking about my mother-in-law. And when, when Jenny's dad died, you know, she had life insurance policies. Financially, she was fine. She did not need Jenny and I to support her financially. But when it came to resources, when it came to mowing her lawn, when it came to taking care of things, that's where she needed help. And so that's where the family comes in. Now, that might be the same thing for us here in the church. We might have a widow come in, or we might have a widow that, that is, is here one day, <clears throat> but financially they're fine. But they're all left alone. They have no grandchildren. They have no children to help take care of things. Well, you know what? We might have to go mow the lawn. We might have to go take care of some stuff in the, at the house because they're just not able to do it. So it doesn't negate that we don't take care of them. <coughs> and finally, the responsibility of the family is the same. We are to take care of each other. And so why are we to do this? <coughs> I don't know why I'm thinking. But why are we to do this? It's because of the gospel. Everything is driven. Everything is driven by the gospel. The gospel has to be center in our lives. Because if we do this without the gospel being centered, it's just legalism. It's just checking off the box. It's showing how good we are. But when we do this and we care for widows as a church body because we are driven by the pureness of the gospel, it is pleasing in God's sight. And that's what we should be after. When we care for one another, whether it's a widow, whether it's family, it should be gospel-driven because it pleases God. That should be what we're after. And that's what we should be after as a church family, is to please God. So that's my prayer, that we would care for each other in such a way that the outside world would know one thing, that we are disciples of Christ because of the love that this body has for each other. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for this time. Lord, help us to love each other. Lord, to care for each other. And Father, if you so choose to bring someone into this church body who is completely left alone, Father, who is a widow and truly a widow indeed, may you lay it heavy upon our hearts, Father, to truly care for them. For I ask all this in your name. Amen. So please stand as we sing our last song.